0: Good morning, it's Dan. This is Danger Dan's Talk Shop. Today on the show, I got a cat named Matt. He's got a company or a shop called Sugar Baby Cycles. Now, I met Matt on the side of the road, just north of Virginia City, or just exiting Virginia City, up in Nevada last year. And uh, him and his boys were rolling out from a hell of a fucking weekend, and uh, anyway, I started following him after the event and seeing he's doing some rad shit. He's making some rad parts. He's building some rad bikes. And we featured him for last month uh, with MC Shop tees. So hopefully you were signed up and did not miss out on one of these shirts because they turned out fucking sick. And uh, as you know, we will never print them again. Uh, me and Matt talk, building motors, traveling solo, and the bike that he's building for Born Free California later this year. Or so enjoy this fucking podcast. Go sign up for MC Shop Tee so you don't miss another shirt. Hey, this show, like all shows, is brought to you by MC Shop T's, your t-shirt of the month club. The only way to support every local motorcycle shop. Shops like Matt's, Sugar Baby Cycles. Uh, every month we do a one-off, what a one-off limited print t-shirt, dude. It's only available through MC Shop T's. Once you see it on the internet, it's too late. Like, it's already been shipped, we've already printed, uh, you know, for the people that were subscribers, I know, you just don't get them. You got to be signed up ahead of time. That's how it works, mcshoptees.com. Dude, we got a big, I was trying to, like, not do as much or not as many events. Do as much this year, do more, actually, but, like, not as many events. It's not happening that way. I'm doing a lot more this year. Uh, So, February, it starts tomorrow. Mama Tried is the first big one. Yeah, that's the fucking kickoff in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'll be taking over their podcast while I'm there. Flat out Friday. Uh, Dude, go check it out on the gram. You do not want to miss this. It's a, the, one of the greatest collection of people in the whole, the, uh, the whole fucking year, really. So I can't wait to see you there. After that, we go straight to Daytona. Knives Made by Nick's going to be rolling with me. It's like fucking straight to Milwaukee, then straight over to Daytona for the Chopper's Magazine Chopper Show with Lead Sled Customs at the Harley Davidson Footprint at Daytona Motor Speedway. And that is on Monday. I think it's the the 5th. Let me lie to you. No, it's the 4th. Yeah, it's going to be sick. And then you got Willie's Tropical Tattoo on Thursday. JoJo's throwing a chopper show at Giuseppe's on Wednesday. I believe we're going to party there after the chopper show on Monday as well. So, dude, Daytona's happening. After that, you got Nitty Gritty Chopper City down in Salmon Park. March 16th and 17th, the outbound train is going to be playing along with what is it? Fuck. DFW? No, fuck. What's the name? Oh, my gosh. Nick's playing. Nick's band's playing, and they're fucking heavy as fuck. So you don't want to miss that one. Uh, April, we got Texas Fandango. Then we got the Motorcycle Music Revival in May, and it just keeps going. It just just fucking keeps going. Uh, It's pretty rad. Pretty fucking rad. All right, so if you want to support the show but you've got enough T-shirts, go to DangerDanceTalkShop.com support. There's a Patreon support link. You get a chance at winning badass shit. I'm going to give away a $100 gift card to Lowbrow Customs. Yeah, at the end of this show, somebody's going to win $100 to Lowbrow Customs, dude. Trust me, your chopper is not as ready as you think it is for this spring. So... Go look at your chopper. Realize what you're missing. What you need. What's worn the fuck out. And then just go get it at Lowbrow Customs. Now. Hmm. Oh, man. That's good. Coffee and a cigarette in the morning is hard to beat. Uh, Motorcycle Sherpa has some trips coming up. like, Like in March, dude. He's got some spots open for a trip to Nepal. Now. You need to get in on this. I'm telling you, March 13th through the 23rd. That's a little over a month away, and it would be a fucking awesome kickoff to your spring if you go spend two weeks riding the Himalayas. It's fucking incredible. Go to MotorcycleSherpa.com, check it out. Uh, If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me, dude. They do tours in Bhutan, India, Mongolia as well. If you have any questions or you just want to see the dates, just reach out. I got you. I got you. Um, dude, I got some sweet podcasts lined up uh, from Mama Tried. You guys are going to be fucking stoked. I'm going to be all over town doing them at different places. It's, uh, it's going to be fucking rad, dude. Um, all right, well. I think we should just get into this podcast right now. seemed like there was something else I wanted to tell you that I'm not. I don't remember what the fuck it was. Huh. Well, I guess that's it. Here's Matt from Sugar Baby Cycles. Oh, yeah. Give me some more of that. A little bit of talk, a little bit of a... This is probably get in the talking mood, huh I know you're gonna be way more excited than that. you're gonna be fucking hitting the red levels here in no time.
1: okay, there we
0: go. um all right, well, tell us your name.
1: This is Matt Tuskowski from the Sugar Baby Cycles.
0: <laughs> as soon as you started saying your name, we got the worst reception of the whole deal uh okay,
1: well here let me um let me kind of uh move a little bit here,
0: okay. Where are you at?
1: Because I think maybe if I get on my Wi-Fi, my phone reception will be a little more consistent. I'm like in the middle of the woods.
0: Oh, sick, dude. I I almost went up and sat up in the woods, uh, and then I realized that my family wasn't at home, so I'm in the kitchen now. (laughs) Where do you, uh,
1: what's your, well, I guess, yeah, I was going to ask what's your... What's your place like?
0: Dude, my place is... Uh, I used to live in the country, and now I live in the city. Uh, not quite, but it's its surrounding us. Sure. Uh, the people that are evacuating your state have... Uh, yeah, they have shown up in Weatherford, Texas.
1: <laughs> there we go. Let's get some politics involved right away. Um, let's see. Sorry, my phone is, like, not...
0: No, it sounded good. You're sounding good. Like, okay, I think exactly. it was literally... Let me just
1: get on the Wi-Fi, because I just, like, it'll just make our lives... Okay, so there we go. I'm on the Wi-Fi. Theoretically, this is going to be better.
0: Yeah, we'll see. This fucking sounds amazing. What are you on, iPhone, cool. iPhone Android? Speaking of politics. I have iPhone.
1: <laughs> I, got the I, even have, I have AirPods, you know? Like, I don't know how I lived before airpods
0: oh i haven't done it yet
1: uh yeah it's like as analog as we all want to be um it's pretty sweet
0: i mean it frees up your hands pretty fucking good doesn't it Mm-hmm. so soon you got a lot of equipment around you so you're out in the woods right now is your shop out in the woods yeah we live out in the mountains of a santa cruz area okay
1: so you know, there's kind of these redwood forests that are um, – that we live in.
0: I'm pulling I'm, – so I was – I'm pulling it want? up right now. I want to see it on a map. I haven't been to Santa, Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz area? I don't think so. I mean, I've been through there, but uh, Carmel – no, dude, I haven't. I mean, maybe years ago. Like, the last time I rode bikes up there, I was in Monterey. Uh, sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're like an hour north of Monterey.
0: Yeah, we we stayed pretty much south of there. It was an AMCA uh, road run. And it was okay. sick, dude. I mean, it was like I took my wife out there. It was – dude, we had so much fun. That's a beautiful area.
1: Yeah, it is beautiful.
0: I love it. I mean, down through Big Sur. We went across, uh, you know, that mountain – The mountain range that kind of runs by the ocean We like took some military Old military ranch road Yeah Across that And like And then it was like Switchbacks down to the ocean You could see fucking whales Breaching in the distance Oh it was fucking sick dude
1: Yeah I mean I That was my first riding experience Was in like Big Sur No shit I was like this is it This is what I want to do Yeah I want to just (laughs) keep doing this For a while
0: That will That'll seal the deal out there For sure When was that? Yeah. It was probably when I was about 19. Yeah? What were you Um, on?
1: Yeah. See, my first bike was a 1981 Suzuki GS 1100, like a big inline-four Japanese muscle bike.
0: Fuck yeah. My first bike was Um, a Suzuki GS 750. No, it was a GS 450.
1: Was it like an '80s or a '90s? Or yeah, something earlier? No, it
0: was like an '80. I think it was an '81, actually.
1: Yeah, so it'd be the same year. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, I mean, it, I mean, when you don't know
0: any better, it's the best, dude. I mean, being um, able to ride a motorcycle. I mean, and at that point, I didn't have a license or anything. Like, it was all just, you know, back roads everywhere. Do not get fucking caught and run from the cops if you see red and blues.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I was lucky enough to get my license, but I remember getting pulled over with a girl on my bike, uh, like really early when I was like 18 and you weren't supposed to have any passengers. Um, and, uh, the guy pulled me over and I was like, I'm going to lose my license. I'm going to lose my bike. I had my bike for like two months and I was like, I felt like I was going to cry. And then the guy was kind of, the guy was like, you know what? You shouldn't be doing this. Um, rock paper scissors me and if you win i'll let you go
0: (laughs) and i was like
1: and then i lost and the guy's like i'm just fucking with you like just get out of here
0: no fucking way you lost and he still let you go yeah i lost it was
1: out of three and i lost and i was like
0: well that sounds like a cool i mean he was probably like dude he's got a girl in the back like he you know
1: we weren't even – yeah, I don't even know if we were doing – I think, my, my brake light was out. There was nothing. We weren't even doing anything bad.
0: Dude, I got pulled over with uh, a couple on the back of my bike, like, my buddy and his girlfriend in Sturgis. And it was, like, fucking midnight, Main Street. As soon as we got on Main Street, cop pulls us over. He didn't even fucking sure. mention anything about two people on the back of the bike. He was just like, man, you guys are so lucky taking that girl back to your campsite. <laughs> he ended up being <laughs> a creep, but he just let me go.
1: Yeah, Honestly, I think that was... there's a bunch of, bunch of the creeps out there, but whatever. We'll leave the politics out of it.
0: Yeah. Uh, dude, so so Santa Cruz, did you grow up right there in Santa Cruz? You surf? No, I um, I grew up in the
1: East Bay. You know, so East Bay of like uh, Oakland on one side, San Francisco on the other. I grew up in like Hayward area. Um, I've never surfed. Everybody I know here surfs. It is true. Yeah. You, know, you go places. You go places and people are like, oh, I heard everybody surfs there. And like, they actually do. Um, but like, I'm not really <laughs> super comfortable in the ocean. So I don't, it kind of, you know, it's kind of freaks me out a little bit.
0: Well, dude, there's a lot of fucking, you know, chopper history right there in the East Bay.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah. I remember uh, getting uh, one of my first motorcycle frames from a buddy, and it was like an old sensory frame. It turned out they were making sensory frames uh, like like five blocks away from where I grew up or something. I just had no idea. No shit. Um, Yeah, a bunch of cool stuff.
0: Yeah, there is. I mean, I read the East Bay Dragons book. I can't even remember. Yeah, I read that a while, a few years ago. But in uh – Oh, fuck the book Chopper, the American – the history of the Chopper by – oh, what's that fucking – man, that dude's name. He's a fucking – he's a goober. But he talks about how, like, ape hangers originated, you know, in the colored clubs in East Bay. You know, those dudes started running the first ape hangers out there, which I thought was fucking –
1: Yeah, I got to brush up on my East Bay Dragon stuff. I'm just not really a big uh – chopper
0: history kind of nerd you know neither am i it it intrigues me uh you know all that uh, history altogether intrigues me and you know there's not a lot of it like easy and readily available to find but you know it's definitely deep it runs deep out there yeah oh for sure i mean didn't the, the east bay dragons are still like a fucking operational club out there at this point too aren't they
1: You know, uh, to be honest with you, I I don't know. I you know I moved out of there when I was eighteen, and at the time I was just barely getting the bikes. I mean, I couldn't have told you anything. You know, I I don't have a family. My my family isn't into bikes. Um, You know, it wasn't one of those like, oh, my old man was in a chopper club kind of. Whenever I hear people talk about that kind of thing, I'm going, man, what what would that be like to grow up and your dad's a chopper guy, you know, or a motorcycle guy? I mean. I have, I have no clue.
0: I've heard both stories where, you know, their dad was a cool chopper dude. And then there's also like the, yeah, I don't really know my dad, but he rode a motorcycle. And he'd come yeah, to see my yeah, mom I every know. once I, in a while. Yeah,
1: you're going like, we can do better than
0: that. Oh, we can shit. figure this out. Well, did you guys ride dirt bikes or anything?
1: No, I mean, I like, I'm, I'm nothing. I don't know what came over me. I was just like, you know what? Life is really boring
0: yeah Um, well you're not surfing you're out there with all those people like the next thing is motorcycles for sure
1: yes exactly i mean i'm going like there's gotta be something out here that's like lives up to it
0: you know yeah so who do who got you did your buddy or did you just go buy one on your own no
1: i just i just was like you know what? i want to get a motorcycle um and i know and it was it's i mean I think when you grow up riding dirt bikes and you got buddies with bikes, it seems a lot easier. But I was like, "Man, I gotta buy a bike. I gotta get a license. I gotta get like a helmet." I mean, it all seems so simple now, but at the time, I was like, I was like eighteen, nineteen. I was like, I don't know what, what I'm doing. I don't yeah. know where to, you know. I had like a jo- I saved up. I had a job. I like cleaned RVs um, at the time. Worked um, for this like RV company, and I just was everyday working, saving up my money, and then you know, I kind of slowly accrued friends over the years that were into bikes but for a long time it was just by myself it wasn't that there wasn't bike people around i just i just was kind of by myself for probably two three years before i really met anybody and it was like really cool you know get yeah. out on a bike by yourself
0: dude i mean when i first started riding i had there was some old dudes you know my buddy greg uh and a couple other old dudes in the neighborhood but I didn't know anybody my own age, and those guys didn't really leave the neighborhood. You know, the joke was, they, you know, we called ourselves the Water Street Winos, where our blood alcohol content <laughs> was higher than the miles ridden each day. Like, they yeah. literally <laughs> would not leave the neighborhood. And at that point, I was, like, riding to California. But I never had any friends that were my age or even close to it that rode for, like, the first three or four years that I was on the bike.
1: And did you get, did you get out doing solo stuff, or was it –
0: uh yeah. Stay in town for a like while. the first couple of trips I was actually in a band and instead of riding in the band van, I was like, Fuck it fellas, I'm taking my bike and I would just like meet the band <laughs> at the gig and we did the first big trip was to California and like I had an O seven soft tail and a, a lifter went out. It was funny, the old man down the street who is he's a wizard, you know, he rode like a, a knucklehead for like thirty years but my bike started making a ticking noise, and he's like, "It's the front exhaust lifter." And I'm like, "Bull, fucking shit! You can't just—you know." He was just standing six feet away from the bike and was like, "I." And sure enough, he was right. I took it apart—first, like, mechanical shit I'd ever done on something like that. Took it apart; the lifter was out. I talked to a guy at a dealership, and he was like, "You better replace the cam chain tensioners while you're in there." So I did all that shit, put it all back together. And on a fucking prayer, I left and went to California. And that was, like, to find out if I fixed it or not. And it worked. And Beautiful. I never, I never stopped after that. And once I did that, I was like, oh, these things are easy to work on. Turns out the twin cams are easy to work on. And the older you get, the more, you know, the more it takes to keep those fuckers on the road.
1: Yeah, the more you're not working with, like, a baseline, you know. Yeah. Okay, my, you know, these surfaces are flat. This hole is round. You know, you work your way into the the 2000s, and you're kind of going to say, like, okay, I bet all these holes are around, all these surfaces are flat. And you work your way back, and you're like, you know what, I don't think any of this is flat. I don't think any of these holes are around.
0: That's exactly Um, right. Like, the tolerances got so good by then, like, it's pretty much plug and play, you know?
1: Sure, just even just a lot of years of suck, bang, blow, you know, and and all of a sudden, I I mean, some of the cases we get are just or. Everything's warped, everything's junk I mean, it can only be fixed, but I mean, like, almost nothing oh, I, don't, I don't remember the last time we bought something That was, like, good to go when we bought it Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I got you well, So you
0: didn't <laughs> learn this shit fucking cleaning RVs, you know uh, And no. the, the Suzuki, I'm sure, didn't give you any problems I'm sure it just, like, worked every time you pressed the button oh, It
1: was beautiful, man I had to go out every day and never worry about anything I think you had to clean, like, 100 horsepower
0: yeah. my Suzuki always yeah. worked until I traded it for some like guns and drugs. Uh, but yeah, so where did you come up? Where did, where did you go to school? Did you go to like MMI? Were you? Uh,
1: no, you- I I, I did go to school. It wasn't motorcycle related. I went to school, and at the time, I just worked on bikes. And then you know, I sold my Suzuki, and I had a string of other bikes. Um, you know, I, I had some metal uh, fabrication experience. Uh, you know, but it's, it just kind of became this issue that I think a lot of people are feeling now where it was like, there's this disconnect between like, I have a bunch of problems and I don't know who's going to fix them.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and if you live in like some places where there's like, there's some wizards and some, there's some cool shops. I mean, I figure if you live in LA or something where there's, there's a lot of resources, then you can kind of get away with not knowing. But I just like, we never need, I didn't have any money. So it was never like oh well, i'm gonna take my bike in to have anything done it was like there's no way right um and so you know it started off with welding and we got into machining opened a shop that was just focused on general fabrication but it you know over time it's like well if i can machine a hole it's true to a thousandth of an inch like you know i can bore a hole for a cylinder oh i can take a cam chest and i can put a you know a. I can replace a bushing and put it in, it's just such slow steps. You know what I mean? I think people think you got to have some formal training for this stuff. I like talk to a lot of motor builders. I talk to, like, I try to compile like as much, I go to like a local shop. I'll go to guys online. I'm just, just like ask them a hundred questions, like for years. Everybody's really nice about it. You know, everybody's been nice about it Um, and get this kind of like overall like scope.
0: Yeah, I mean, when it also takes sense, the right kind you know? of person. No, it does. I mean, I did – I went down the same road. Like, I I worked on my shit out of, like, uh, that was the only option. Like, I couldn't afford to take it. You know, sure. and then later on I learned that even if you can afford it, you still – not everybody can do what they say that they're going to do. Or they can't yes. do it to the level yes. that you need it done when you're really riding your shit. Uh, so I, I, you know, I fucking have – a sun and hone. I've got some valve. Like I went down that path. I realized in the end that I don't have the patience to do it as good as these other people that I've met. Uh, but I know the path and, you know, I was taking it with open arms. People are willing to share information, especially if you ask the right questions. Uh, I think where yeah, people think like
1: come in with intent.
0: Yeah. I think where people like get where people hit the wall is because they don't understand enough to ask the right questions. And then they get bummed out because they can't figure it out and they feel like nobody will help them it's like well fuck you're you know you're probably not sniffing the right shit anyway so sure yeah. Uh, and out in california there is i mean you know you're right there by san francisco i'm sure there's a lot of resources there uh down in the fresno area i mean there's a bunch of fucking gearheads over there sure uh, i
1: mean i was out in fresno for quite a few years i was from, my first shop was in fresno oh no shit um and there's some pretty there's some pretty incredible guys out there um, but something I wanted to touch on that you just said is something I tell people all the time, which is like just because you got some local legend dude around you, does not mean your work is being done the way you want it to be done, right. and it sucks. You know what I mean? And it's not a disrespect thing that I—I'm I, not going to disrespect anybody, but it's—it's it's just not like you know, like the best, some of the best work in the world you you can do yourself, because at the end of the day. These dudes aren't making enough money to really be treating your engine how you want it
0: to be. Well, you know what I mean? There's also the aspect that a lot of those dudes stuff never gets tested enough. Like most people who end up paying to have their shovel head rebuilt, they don't put over a thousand miles on it in a year. You know? So like th-
1: Yeah. There's a lot of like, people that are that just-
0: make a living and do this for a long time. Uh but, you know. It's because their shit doesn't really ever get put to the test or really ran uh, high RPMs. And or so.
1: they, they'll look at people, they'll look at you if you walk in a shop and you say, man, I blew my shovel head. It's happened to us years and years ago, but he took a shovel head in. Um, at the time, you know, I was just doing more general fabrication and, and we were just sort of beginning to do motor work, but I didn't know enough to feel comfortable building his motor. And he had his motor built. And then we had a receipt, and then a couple years after, we went and we said, well, there was some issue. I don't remember what it was. But we took the receipt out, and we looked at his motor, and there was multiple things that the guy was like, yeah, I overboard this. I go in, I measure, and I'm like, this is a stock bore. You know, of the breather gear, um, uh, like there was like, you know, there's (laughs) certain things where you're going like, these and i'm not saying that these dudes are doing i shouldn't say that there's a bunch of incredible motor builders i just you know people i think are getting taken advantage of a little bit by certain characters where it's like they know you're not going to open up your motor take a micrometer out and you know and measure certain so they're going to tell you yeah we that's four hours into doing this job it's you know 400 bucks i mean Uh, you know it's disappointing but i think it happens you know
0: yeah 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 i'm sure it does uh yeah, you know, the best job is always done by yourself. Maybe. <laughs> it, yeah. Well, and it, maybe but not it the does first
1: time, but maybe the fifth. Maybe the fifth time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah
0: absolutely. Uh, it it does take patience. You know, like what I've, like I said, I came to realize that I just don't have the patience as much as I other people. You know, that can like, that can sit there and do the job right without getting frustrated and. Fucking chunking a wrench across the garage. And also like having the right tooling and the setup. You know, like the guy that does my motors sure. now, uh Boston Billy B and V Racing out of uh Metairie, he's got so many jigs that he's made over the years and tools that he's made over the oh, years. Yeah. Like you can't you, you couldn't just start building motors and do it to the level he's doing it at the speed he's doing it. Like, they don't... Oh, absolutely With absolutely all the not, money no. in the world, like, you... Because the shit is not available, and he's not selling his shit. Uh, you know, maybe you could find a... Sh- you know, it's just not going to happen. Uh, and, you know, and it took me no, a while to, like... No,
1: for sure. To
0: find that, and also, like, uh, you know, be able to afford to make that happen. Uh, but...
1: No, it, it's definitely not a thing. I'm never... You know, I also go, like, bite my tongue a little bit it's not like oh everybody should be building their own motors yeah, yeah it's just this kind of thing where, like i mean we buy tools that make money and we were you know we
0: i mean we but that's what i thought here. originally i was yeah. like i'm not a real biker unless i can fucking do everything in here like i wanted to be able to you know fix anything that might possibly break and I spent a lot of time sure. and a lot of money trying to figure all that out to find out that, you know, there's other ways to But you have this
1: understanding it. now that exactly. you to with your body. Well, an you appreciation. Can go into a shop and, sure. I mean, I, I remember asking people, hey, what's the best thing? Like, like can you send me a resource? I want to build my own bottom ends. You know, like what's the best thing to read that teaches me how to build, you know, a Harley Davidson? Get yourself a shovel or a panhead. Factory manual, the panhand's even better. Even if you yeah. don't have a panhand, yeah. it's kind of the same tech. And they go through everything. I mean every conceivable piece, bending your rods straight, truing your flywheels. They do everything and then and you don't even need to have the tools. You read some of that. Um and then when you go into your motor builder, you know, you go to your motor builder, you buy a bike and you hear that tick, I mean, the you know, your front cylinder Exhaust valve, like you said, is the most common one to blow out. It's the worst angle. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, And so it's like you all of a sudden have this little. Even if you're not going to replace it, you can go into your motor builder, and you both have a little bit of a mutual respect for each other. And and he knows he should do the work right. And I mean, yeah, I mean that's what it's all about. It's not about having all the tools and doing it all yourself. I mean, that's not feasible,
0: you know. Well, and it also gave me an appreciation for the pricing. Where at first, you know, if somebody would have told me how much it was going to cost, I'd be like. You know what the fuck? Now I'm like, that's cheap, dude, you know. If I were yeah, to do it, yeah, like, oh, it would take oh. me so many hours to fucking get everything meticulously measured and cut to the right fucking specs. Uh this is a great deal. Sure, sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I want 200 bucks to you know, um, you know, do a set of valves. I'm going like Sometimes I hear some of these prices and I'm going like Man, it's like a, you know, we I'm using like $10,000 worth of equipment. Yeah. To do a two hundred dollar job for myself. I'm like, is this really a good deal? Uh-huh. I can just have someone do my valves like
0: uh Well and like, you know and a hey, lot you- of shops end <laughs> up doing that. You know, they find they find yeah. what they specialize in and if they have somebody convenient that they enjoy working with that can do the valves or, you know, at least bore cylinders, uh-huh. you know, and kind of outsource sure. some of that shit or outsource all the motor work for that matter, you know. Uh, sure, yeah. my guy, he doesn't, you know, if, if there's a connection, like, you know, if me or one of my buddies wants to have some heads or cylinders done, he'll do that. But most of the time he won't just let any random person send in cylinders, uh, because sure. he doesn't trust them. It's like, you know, you're, why are you sending in cylinders? Are you telling me that your heads are fine and your bottoms and ends are fine, but your cylinders aren't, you know, like. A shop you can at least yeah. trust, but then you do the cylinders. You send them back to this guy, and he puts them on some blown-out fucking rod bearings, and, and then he's like, oh, you blew up my bottom end with the cylinders you did. It's like, oh, fuck, you know?
1: Yeah, it's just this, this puzzle, and you realize working on other people's. I mean, you know, we don't do a ton of work on other people's bikes. We do, you know what I mean? But I, at the end of the day, it's like this huge puzzle where you're going like, I mean, it just takes a couple people also to, to, you know, give you a bad name or something. And, I mean, if your bike's eating uh, pistons, it's, yeah, like, like you're saying. I'm like, well, are your rods perfectly straight?
0: Yeah. You
1: know? And then I put, I hone out your cylinders, and I send you back all your stuff, and I know it's correct. And then those seize up after a couple thousand miles and all of a sudden it's, yeah, it's my fault. And you're going like, it wasn't really worth it for a couple hundred bucks for you to walk around town.
0: No, yeah, luckily
1: we haven't had this problem, but I'm always afraid of it. You
0: know? Yeah. Well, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely possible. I mean, my guy, that's one of the complaints he has is like, he, once you send him your shit, he does it to his spec. He doesn't, you know, he does it. Sure. It's not going to leave his shop unless he okays everything. And he doesn't call you to make sure it's okay. Cause well, it's in his possession. and He's going to, you know, he's going to do it to a certain level. But what I learned with him, BMB Racing, is like when I first started MC Shop Tees, you know, I was like, you know, I wanted to make sure that the shops that I picked were reputable places. And, you know, I thought maybe I should look at the reviews on the Internet or see what other people say about them. You know, because somebody who sure. comes in like me that's going to give them some kind of advertising, you know, I might get a different kind of treatment. Well, sure. as things have gone on, I realize now that if somebody has bad reviews on the Internet, that's a good sign. You know, like th- th- <laughs> this is like because people just don't understand, you know, like they can't communicate uh, and they assume that they're right all the time. And fuck. yeah, uh, I'm I'm glad that I don't do that. That's that's like why I started MC Shop Tees was to say thanks for people like you guys that are keeping people on the road, you know, and making sure that. Uh, we can enjoy time in the wind. And, you know, when I met you, I wasn't sure uh, – I, I wasn't familiar with it at all. It was up outside of Virginia City, and you got sure, – I, th- yeah. I think you had, like, broken a front end, and you guys were all stoked because you found a welder and you got it fixed, and you were hitting the fucking road and going down. And I was just like, this is sick. You know, like, these dudes are fucking on one and had a great fucking weekend. Here I am on a fucking – a brand-new adventure bike headed to Burning Man. Uh which I ended up not making it to, but I was just stoked on y'all's attitude and, you know, stoked to meet you guys.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, everybody wants a, a great story, um, but, it, but you know, your nightmares make a great story. I've, like, blown motors. That was a trip where my buddy cracked a Springer. Um, and when you have a bike, you're like, that would be the worst thing ever. Uh, and then you get home and you're like, that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, um, and so it's best. like, quit being scared of the bad things that are going to happen because, It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Like, I've been home from a couple trips where nothing goes wrong. And I'm like, what the hell was that?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like,
1: you know, like, was that? That's not why I went out there. Well, there's
0: two kinds of fun, right? There's the kind of fun that you have in the moment. And it's like, you're like, oh, this is sick. We're, you know, we're riding down the road. The bikes are working great. And then there's the kind of fun that's like not fun in the moment. But it's fun to look back on years later, you know, like riding through a fucked up storm with your buddies, like being able to see your boy going through the same shit as you. It's like it's miserable in that moment. But you'll talk about that and remember that forever. Way more than you will the trip where everything worked right and it was just beautiful. Sure. And then the feeling
1: of like, you know,
0: like I like to. I mean, the feeling
1: of fixing something on the road is is unbeatable. Yeah. I mean that's like you just like you're you're covered in sweat, you're covered in grease, you've had this like you've had this issue for 4 hours, you're on the side of the highway, you're so hung over, please god get me out of here. That first 10 minutes on the highway after you fix it, it's like that's it. Fucking that's what gold, you know what I mean? Like dude. it's 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 so good, you know. I mean I remember going from on my bachelor party and uh it was a really simple one, but I just broke a clutch cable I was like, God damn it. You know, and I was on my 69. I broke my clutch cable. Um, I found this weird little like hole in the wall, like Asian garage. And the guys were super sketch. I went to a shop and they had like wire and I just bought a piece of wire. And I went back to the shop and was like, can I borrow even Even soldering equipment. And they helped me out and I got this Y and it was like hours in the sun and I was just like it was brutal, you know, and it, but it wasn't that bad of a fix. So I knew I was going to figure it out. Yeah. Um, you know, and then we, and I'm, it's like my bachelor party. And going, we man, we want to go out and we want to party. We have fun. We were there for hours and hours. Um, I was probably like four or five hours from home. Yeah. I fixed the clutch cable, fire the bike up. We're outside this like biker bar called Legorio's. It's like in the central Valley. So there's all these dudes that are driving me absolutely crazy. Um, like, you know, like there's all these like big daddy, like soft tail kind of guys who like want to say that they were riding bikes, you know, like 30 years ago. But like they weren't, you know, and they're just driving me absolutely nuts. <laughs> yeah. And there was a dude who was bothering me. and I'm like, dude, this is it. Like we're either going to get in a fight or we're going to get arrested outside this bar. Like I'm freaking out. Like, sh- just shut up. Like, leave me alone fix this go down the road i'm like five hours from my house and randomly we run into my my mom blew a tire in her car and she and i i hadn't i had no idea she was like in that area, in that I mean, area. we were like five hours from where i grew up and i'm driving down the road and i'm like that looks like my mom like on the side of the road but that's I'm like, crazy not my mom. I'm like why would why would that, why would my mom be out here i turn around i pull up she doesn't even know who i am she's like who's this dirty guy like pulling up to me <laughs> <laughs> um, like i take my helmet off and she's like why are you here and i'm like why are you here why why are you on the side of the road And she was just kind of taking a little trip up the sierras uh blue got a flat tire and just because i'd broken down our timelines aligned and i ran to her for a bit oh, that's
0: so it was just awesome. a little
1: funny sto- little funny stories like that you know
0: yeah that's awesome so you guys got to fix your tire for her
1: yeah, she you knows funny, it was just like little uh it was this a guy this little Mexican guy uh, that was like from Triple A who was helping her. And it was like ten bikers rolled up and came to talk to this lady and you could tell the guy was like, What is going on? Yeah. <laughs> and why do all these dudes come and then why are they all like taking pictures of her? Why is that one guy like kissing her? Like that's kinda
0: weird. Oh, that's you know? I'm just stoked funny. that I see my mom, you know. I'm like, Hey mom, yeah. So but, Yeah, dude, it's uh it's all mm-hmm. the road will provide.
1: Um, yes, you know, you know, you probably know that more than
0: it does. I mean, it provides people, it provides parts, it provides good times. Uh, you know, when I was riding that Pan America through South America, it was going so well, or the bike was working, I'm cruising and, and finally it broke and I, it it, uh, left me stranded and it ended up being like, so Like, I would have missed – I would not have had to rely on the people. I would have not gotten to stay at these people's houses and been embraced uh, by them and their friends and their family and gotten to, like, break bread with them at their – like, I would nev- never have gotten to do that with those guys if it wouldn't have been for my bike breaking down. Uh, yeah, of course. Eh? Which was – you know, and that happens – fuck every time i break down somewhere i meet somebody you know if you <laughs> yeah. you know especially when you're not with your boys it's like you have you end up relying on somebody cl- you know close by that you didn't know before uh that you end up getting to know and becoming good friends with it's the, a, it's the solo trip
1: this, the solo trip provides like people like none other i mean like riding with your friends is incredible and i love it but riding solo doing long distances solo is like there's no comparable way to to get into some really weird
0: stuff. No, dude, um, it's uh yeah. And it's amazing the headspace that I get into and I, it's been a while now since I've done a long solo trip. Uh used to be pretty common multiple times a year and but you know, the first couple hundred miles you're you're thinking about what you left behind or did you pack everything? Uh, you know, and then it's like, then you start thinking about where you're going and what's coming up and like, you know, wherever you're headed. And then at like, sure, you know, 500 to a thousand miles, you, you soak into this, like this Zen place where you're like, you're becoming one with the bike and the road. You've already thought through all the bullshit in your head and you just like fucking zone out. You just like get into that space. That's, it's pretty fucking amazing
1: yeah yeah i mean it's it's um it just it just seems like you you become more approachable maybe people come up to you in a different way um you know like the same thing you're saying though i mean i've been in, i've been to people's houses i've been to parties the things that like when you're in a group even with a couple guys it almost never happens like no, i mean i can not right. remember the last time i've been with like two or three guys and we've stopped somewhere and like some people will be like "Yo, we're having this party and you go out to this place it's incredible time and and I mean, and it's like, if you're with, if you're with a couple of people, like, I'm not sure why, but I mean, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's ever really happened to me, but then, you know, I probably, I took the same as you were saying to, you know, um, probably maybe once or twice a year, I'd try to get out for like a week or two solo. Um, and, and it's just immediately you're going like, this is weird. I mean, a lot of weird stuff's happening really fast, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people, uh, find it very strange. Like, people used to always wonder like why I was going by myself, like maybe thinking somebody was wrong or like I didn't have any friends that wanted to go with me. And it's like, no, like this is like, some people can't figure out how or why you would be able to enjoy that. Uh, Which is what kind of gets people to approach you more. It's like, Oh, you know, because people are nice, you know, it's like, fuck, this guy's here by himself. I bet he wants some company. It's like, Well, you know, I could take it or leave it, you know. Uh, But you are more approachable. You know, a couple of fucking two or three bikers is a lot harder to uh, approach than, you know, one dude by himself. Absolutely. Uh, And that's one thing, you know, I noticed, especially like in Mexico. When When I went to Mexico the first couple times, the first time I was just by myself. Second time I went with my buddy, this old man. And he's, like, not only is he approachable, he's approaching everybody and every fucking stray dog. Kickstart Mike, shout yeah. out to you. Uh, but then I went through the a the, uh, couple times later with a big group. Or not a big group. There was, like, five of us. And nobody comes up and talks to you, dude. I mean, yeah. there's no, yeah. like, you know. Uh, it's, it's a definite different experience. Uh, so when you I, get out, when you go for a solo ride, like, where – where do you go from Santa Cruz? You go north. You go straight east. You go. You don't uh, go man, west.
1: No. I mean, I've done. I mean, I've done Montana solo. That was like incredible. That was like three weeks. That was right when I, I was probably like twenty or twenty-one. I did Montana, and that was like changed a lot of things in my life. Um, I got. I go south quite a bit. I used to go like kind of south in the winter time occasionally, and uh, I mean. I mean, I, you know, you're trying to sit here and pick through some stories. I mean, I mean, in Mexico solo, um, that was like probably the most chaotic trip of my life. You know, I came back uh, from that trip, you know, kind of thinking I was going to die. Um, <laughs> Did you get sick? You know, I, I mean, I mean, I well, I like I, you know, I felt like uh, we had this big party. We had our first one of our first big bike parties, and someone was telling me about, hey, you got to go to um, El Diablo, and I'm like, okay. Uh, and so I'm like rushing, rushing to finish my bike. Um, and I just like couldn't finish it in time. And I was like, yeah. and then I, you know, I was like, remembered I had this old dirt bike, um, but it was like a street legal. It's like a, like a Honda XL 600 from like
0: the 80s. Oh, fuck. it. Yeah. And I was
1: like, you know, what? I, I, and I love that bike, man. I, I probably bought it for like 900 bucks and it was a really great bike. But I mean, I'm like, you know, what? this could be the perfect little Baja machine. Yeah, I'm going to go to El Diablo, yeah. and I'm going to ride this. You know what I mean? So I, I hop on, and I ride down south from Fresno. I'm like, I'm going to make it to the border you know, by the next day. And I just completely blow the motor in, like, Bakersfield. Um, I mean, like, it was, like, one of the most <laughs> catastrophic. Like, I was riding, and it immediately just sounded like there was, like, a ton of washers in a coffee can. Um, and I would, and it just—I was like, okay, so that's bad. And I pulled over. The thing was smoking. There was like, just like chunks of piston inside the case. I called these guys for a dirt bike shop, and I'm like, dude, if you get me, pick me up, I'll sell you this bike for a dollar. Um, because I had my title with me because I was going to go into Mexico, and everybody told me, you know, don't go to Mexico without paperwork because, you know, they get sketch about that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I sold these guys my bike for like a buck. I got on the bus I made down to San Diego, and one of my buddies was like, I feel so bad for you, dude. Like, take my FXR. And I had, like, never ridden really a modern Harley. I only had, like, older Harleys. I get on this bike. I get down to Mexico. It was just, like, probably, like, this is a, you know, wasn't, this wasn't the last El This was a couple back, you know. I was so hot, man. I mean, I just, like, I just remember telling people, you're crossing over the border, there's, like, a midget that's completely spray-painted in silver paint, like, throwing, you know, flaming uh, bowling balls in the air. People's bikes are smoking, and there's, like, dudes on the side of the road, like, oil, water, you know, people are just, like, freaking out everywhere. I'm like, man, this place is pretty rough. Um, you know, I make it all the way down. I don't know anybody there. Uh, I get, I, You know, you roll into San Felipe, and it's just immediately, like, beach, let's get a margarita, let's, you know, just get the kate. Like, we're having a great on. time. you
0: make it to, what is it, rupees or kikis?
1: Whatever it is, yeah. it was like, oh man. And then from there, I just made a series of really poor mistakes and I woke up on the beach and I was like, I not know where I was, I was like so deathly hungover and I go and find this guy and I'm like, dude, can I please sleep in your palapa? Those little like, those little like, structures that are like above the beach oh yeah and the guy's like sure i'm like i don't want to mess up your stuff can i just please sleep in your palapa and the guy's like no problem and i go up there and i just like face down like i think i'm gonna throw up like my heart's racing i just I, i lay down i try to go to sleep and i wake up to this big old dude fully patched up kicking me in the side he's like what the fuck are you doing in my palapa and i'm like your buddy said it was okay for me. He's like, I don't have any buddies here. Like, what are you doing? Are you like, were you messing with my, and I'm like, ah, and I'm like, I can't see straight. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. The dude like gets me by the back of my shirt. I like stand up. I walk down. There's like eight of these dudes, all patched up, like ready to go. I'm like trying to work my way out of it. I just kind of walk away. They're all like yelling at me and stuff. And I immediately run to one of my good buddies. And he's like, come back to my place there's a pool they've got like fresh fruit they like sat me in the water and i was just like oh thank god and then you know it, the the rest of the party devolves on from there but it was just one of those moments where it was like how do i get myself into this yeah you know yeah um if i was with a bunch of buddies it would have been i would never have done it but you know and i hated it at the time but you know it makes for a decent
0: story a couple of years after yeah dude yeah wrong palapa I mean that's a honest Wrong. mistake. For it fucking sure. happens, dude. dude. I
1: was like dude, your homie, said I could sleep in here and he was like I don't have any homies. And I walked down there's like eight dudes who know him. I'm like you have some homies. <laughs> but like I don't really want to talk to these dudes either. These dudes are like ready, you know, you know how Mexico is like this dude's ready to go down there.
0: Oh dude, so well, it's definitely it's
1: definitely no joke.
0: Yeah. The on the way to it was it this last year. Yeah, this last year when we rode the ferry over to uh, the bottom of Baja from Mazatlan, dude, there was like 400 motorcycles on the ferry. It was filled with fucking bikers, all from Mexico City and uh, Veracruz and, I mean, mainland Mexico. Dude, we ended up like... Dude, we fucking we did not even sleep. We just stayed up and drank. They were buying like uh, these flats full of beer. I ended up getting in like arm wrestling competition with these dudes. It was we were fucking know, local one dudes
1: one. are great. I've, I mean, the local dudes, at least in my experience, have always been great. You know, super nice guys. They're super stoked you're there. It's more the guys that are coming from the states that are uh, like, you know what? This oh, this a wasn't a motorcycle
0: club from Mexico.
1: No, 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 dude. This is a motorcycle club from the States. The guys from Mexico, I've always had a good, I mean, I don't, I I don't know. I've only met a handful of them, but the the dudes that are patched up in Mexico have always been like, I mean, everybody's patched up
0: in Mexico, dude. I mean, there is so many clubs. We were riding with a a guy from a club called the Pussy Riders on the way up to Baja. (laughs) It was fucking awesome
1: yeah i remember partying with some guys that were like we're like the lions they just had a big lion on the back i'm like that's, <laughs> that's like way that's that's cool oh you
0: know that's awesome. like, <laughs> well the fxr made it back you didn't blow up your boy's bike
1: no 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 he's a great shout out jason tangelo um good homie of mine brought them brought the bike back and in good condition and uh but, yeah, that was a year where there was a lot of rain coming out. I didn't pack any rain gear, and I got caught in a huge rainstorm coming out of Mexico. And I was trying to get on a flight um, immediately afterwards, and I just was so wet, man. But by the time I got to my buddy's house, um, it was like probably like 45 minutes till I had to make it to the airport. And he's like, don't worry. i got a dryer. We're going to put all your clothes in the dryer. We're going to get you to the airport. I'm like, great. We dude. put the clothes in the dryer, like 45 minutes go by. And my clothes are like super wet, but like maybe a little warm. And I was like, Oh dude, like what are we going to do? <laughs> so I go to my buddy's other buddy's house, but he's, you know, I'm like six foot four. I'm a kind of tall guy. And, and, uh, my buddy's probably a good foot shorter than me. And he was like, look into all his clothes. And he found these like denim overalls that were like a little big on him, but like, were are kind of like capris on me. And he's like, dude, this is what you got to work with. Like, <laughs> This is all I got. <laughs> and so I showed up to the airport with like no bags, like nothing in like wearing this little tiny overalls. And my buddy drops me off. And he's like, dude, you look like you've been shopping at baby gap. And I was like, just get me on the plane. Dude. Just get the fuck out <laughs> of you know, here. Get me on the plane. I'm going. I went to the East coast to do this whole other shenanigan. And I was like, I, you know, I landed Damn, in you, Wisconsin. You flew, and I, and
0: you flew out. You didn't even go home in the fucking in the. Overall. It got
1: weird. I wish I could even tell this next story, but I can't even tell it. It gets so weird. Um, but yeah, I, I got like this weird emergency call in Mexico that was like, "You gotta do me a favor right now, and you gotta fly." And I was like, "Okay, I, I'm, I'll do it." And so whole <laughs> I got home, and, my, and I got home, and my wife was like, "What has happened to you?" And I'm like, "I, I don't even know what to say."
0: Uh, oh, that's awesome. But.
1: But FXR home safe, you know you, me home safe, and who knows who has my dirt bike now, you know. Oh,
0: that's awesome! Yeah, I got a fucking <laughs> seventy-seven XT five hundred. I would love to take it to Baja. Fucking, yeah, they're great
1: bikes.
0: I love those dirt bikes, bikes are bikes. awesome. I fucking love it. So Montana, dude, I uh, I didn't ride Montana until a co- I guess it's been a couple years now, but dude, Montana is fucking great.
1: It's incredible, yeah.
0: You know, like, I guess I was just like, it was the low, low run. That's what it was, uh, up there through Glacier Park, Flathead Lake. Oh man. Yeah. That's fucking beautiful. All through Idaho as well. Did you do that Montana on your chopper?
1: Um, yeah, it was one of my first bikes. It was one was of my first bikes. It was one of my earlier bikes that I had, um, And it was, you know, I kind of envious had a couple of my buddies do a big, like, month-long trip, and I was like, man, I really want to do that, and I was like, you know, I'm just going to do a solo one. And, I, you know, it was probably about three weeks or so, and I just went, you know, all through Idaho, Montana, a little bit of Wyoming, Um, slept outside every night, and that was back when I really didn't have any money. So it was like, I mean, the idea of a hotel was, like, out of the question, and just, you know, like, 20 days, you know, or, or, you know, 25 days or whatever it was of just every morning waking up in the middle of nowhere and starting the bike. And I mean, it was, I mean, it just like changed the way I kind of saw things, you know.
0: Yeah, fuck yeah. It, dude. What was your camping setup like? Did you go a tent or a bedroll? what you No, yeah, you No,
1: know, I hate, I hate tents. I always bring a rain fly because you got to have something right. Um, but, you know, I try to, I try to go just, um, you know, I always kind of figure, like, uh, I mean, now I, I I've this last motor I built, I built a little bit of a bigger motor because I was like, I want a little more power. But I see these guys on, like, a 74-inch shovelhead, and they got, like, 40 pounds of gear on the back. I'm like, that's a lot of weight, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, those yeah. bikes are, like, they're not making a ton of power. So I've always kind of been a little bit more on the minimal side of things. But three weeks is hard. Three weeks is hard to get all your stuff, um,
0: you know. Fuck yeah, Uh, I know. But yeah,
1: sleeping bag, sleeping mat, a little rain fly, tools. I always try to get a water bottle or just a plastic one because you always find yourself broke down somewhere and you're like so damn thirsty. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, And I always kind of think, you know, I remember going out in Nevada and taking some weird road and being really in the middle of nowhere for a long time and going like, man, I only got 80 miles to the tank and thinking, you know, I'm really happy that I've got a little bit of water on me. Because you could break down in the wrong place and maybe nobody would find you for a day. Fuck you know? yeah, I mean, especially
0: in Nevada, dude.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that was weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, I haven't ridden the chopper out there much. But I I spent some time after Virginia City. You know, I rode. Yeah. So I ended up, so I was going to go to Burning Man. You know, I was just like, fuck it. Time's right. I've always wanted to put my eyes on it. And I leave. I left you guys and headed that direction. Man, I stopped. What happened? I stopped when I started getting close to, like, get some supplies, you know, like get some water, uh, some food, booze, you know, just some shit to take in there. And I just started seeing all these motherfuckers just buying a bunch of crap, like, you know, buying bicycles that they're obviously just going to take out there and then throw away afterwards. And, like, buying, like, small bottles of water to, like – they just fucking pissed – dude, they fucking – these motherfuckers pissed me off before I even got there, and I didn't go. And so you
1: just said we were like, you know, and I'm not going? Yeah,
0: fuck. I said, fuck that. I rode the Pony Express Trail through Nevada. Hmm. Yeah. They, yeah,
1: I mean, I've always, like – I'm. yeah, I mean, I everybody hates on it. I've always thought, like, you know, I've, uh, I'm not going to go, but I always – I, I want to see it. Yeah, fuck I'm not going to see anything. I'm not going to be too proud to go see something, but – uh I just then you start meeting the people and you're like man what are you guys doing
0: yeah like i just started seeing the people that were going there and i'm like i don't i I don't even no i'm not going to hang out with you motherfuckers (laughs) and luckily i fucking didn't go because remember it rained like a motherfucker and everybody got stuck there this year
1: yeah that was i remember reading that you know man when i used to clean rvs that was the worst
0: oh shit
1: Um, man, those things come back like that outside of them is like completely like dirt red and these guys and the insides trashed. Um, that's like, you know, uh, I remember that week whenever we would come back from, from burning man. And I was like, damn, I hate this job.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I bet so, dude. (laughs) Yeah, no, it ended up being rad. I went through Nevada. So, you know, the loneliest highway, what is it? Interstate or? Not interstate, but oh, highway 50 like
1: something. I think it's 50. Or maybe 50. Okay, yeah. yeah. and I think that's the one I went through when I was like kind of being like, this is weird, man. Like, where is everybody?
0: Yeah, it's sick. So n- next to that, even more weird, is a fucking dirt road that's like the old <laughs> fucking, like the trail that they would run horses when they would go from Missouri to uh, Sacramento by horse to deliver the mail. And it's like the last remaining spots of that uh, Pony Express Trail go through Nevada and Utah in the dirt. And it was neat. It was pretty sick. But uh, I had just ridden the the Colorado BDR, which was like crossing mountain passes and rivers and like climbing mountains. And this was like two track. Like you could see the mountains, but it was for a horse. It was to get through. As fast as possible. So there was, like, no real terrain. It was all just riding through fields, uh, which got kind of boring. So then I got on Highway 50 and ripped it. Did you stop at a place called Middlegate Station? It's like a fucking little bitty, like, bar. There's a big parking lot, old-ass gas pump. You can sleep in the parking lot. They got burgers and beer. I, you
1: know, when I went to, I haven't been to Nevada much since, you know, I'm thinking back to when I went to like Montana and, and I, you know, I did, I did a lot of Nevada when I went to Montana, because so it's the only way to get out of California up there. I mean, you could go north through California, but it's easier just to cut over east. Yep. Um, yeah. But uh, at the time, I was kind of like, I don't know if it was because I didn't have any money or or if I was just kind of scared of people for some weird reason. But I really shied away from staying anywhere where there was, like, people or things to buy, you know. So I didn't didn't hit any great uh, cultural or drinking landmarks.
0: Dude, this is a (laughs) – there was not anybody here. One other dude did show up at one point, but it's like – it's just a parking lot with a cool old bar. Fucking fat lady making burgers on a fucking flat top that's probably been used for a hundred years. Got the
1: right and, and you had it, to yeah. get
0: you had to stop to get gas there if you were uh, on a chopper coming if, out if, that way. Yeah, if yeah, if you, yeah. but yeah. you know, you might. You know, I don't know if you were at that spot, but that's that place is worth going to, and just fucking st- show up late at night. And uh, there's actually like some sand dunes close by that I want to go back to at mm. some point. Yeah, Sand Mountain Recreation Area, and you can huh. just ride your shit on the sand dunes. Yeah, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, I'm coming back. I'm, I'm gonna do Virginia City again. I think I'm gonna do Party at the Pin too. I don't know how I'm gonna do. I, I was like, man, I'm not gonna go to any events this year. Uh, that's not happening. But whatsoever. you're just lying. Yeah, I just yeah, lying, a, to, lying pretty, to myself. Pretty,
1: I was not a big events person, but it, it does rub off on you. It gets pretty fun.
0: Oh, fuck, yeah. It's great. I mean, dude, there's so many good events, though. Like, It's hard to even decide where to spend your time because they're fucking everywhere. They're every weekend. Uh, you know, you could blow a whole fucking summer. Dude, and a lot of guys are fucking going to Sturgis this year. Which I was really trying to not go to Sturgis this year. That's not fucking <laughs> happening. Have you been to Sturgis? I've I not been to Sturgis. No, dude, that's a fun one. And really, the ride there is—it's just so good, you know. Especially it from where you're easy, at, yeah. dude. I mean, there is so many ways to go, and all of them are awesome. Coming from where you're at, I
1: know. Well, we're getting—I mean, that's the problem with this year. We're we're buckled down for Born Free, so I'm not mm-hmm. even really sure how many. How many events we're getting to this year? Yeah, um, you are. You know, kind of getting holed up in the shop, but maybe try to make it out to you know Virginia City is pretty close for us, and it's a good time. And but I mean, before that, I'm going like, I've never even been to Bourne Free, so it will be my first time even ever being there. So that'll be interesting. Nice. You know, how did? Lot you, how did? Good you get... and bad things people say about. But I, I always figure it's a, you know, it's it's hard pressed to find a place with, with
0: better bikes. You know. Right. I mean it's yeah. How how did you get, uh, how did you get on their radar? You never even been,
1: I have no idea how it works. Um, (laughs) but you know, I, I got a message from them and, um, you know, we, there's two of us in the shop here and, um, my buddy Graham had been, we, you know, we kind of collabed and, and worked on his bike this year before. And, uh, he he's he won best shovelhead. Another one of my buddies won best FXR in Virginia City, and I we talked to a couple people, and then like maybe a month or two later, something of the sort. Um, I got this message that was like, "Do you want to build for Born Free?" And I was like, "Holy cow!" I mean, I mean, yeah, I do. You know, I don't even really know what it means, but you know, but if, if I don't, you know, I these. I mean, some of these dudes have done this for ten years. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know anything about it. I haven't even met anybody. So.
0: Nice. Well, it's a fucking huge event. It's amazing how many people go through those fucking gates, you know, 2 or 3 days in a row. Fuck, my phone. Yeah, gone.
1: I mean, we're excited. I mean, I I I I want to see it, you know. And, and
0: it's got to be the, a great ride just fucking going down the coast all the way. Are you going to be able to ride your bike down there?
1: I mean, probably not. We're bringing so much stuff. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where we got a a
0: booth. And, oh yeah, we got well, parts. you got we a got, bunch got of a badass part. shit you're making too that you're selling.
1: Yeah, I mean, we wanted to set up, and we got in the Born Free bike. You know, I won't lie about it, man. It's a show bike. You know, I've never built a show bike before. We build bikes to put on a good amount of miles, and I said, you know what, I want to build a show bike, and I don't have any regrets about having a bike that isn't going to log a ton of miles. Not necessarily my style. But I mean, it's this incredible time. And when else am I going to buy a, sh- a build a show bike? Yeah. You know, um, you know, might as well build one for born free. So you know, it's we're gonna we're gonna have to take so much stuff down there. That, you know, I mean, maybe a couple of us will ride, but you know, there's a there's a lot of stuff that's got to happen between here and June. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so tell us what you're building. Anybody that uh, well, we- if they haven't seen it before, give us a rundown.
1: Well, we're doing – we're putting the – well, man, how do you even start, huh? I have a huge issue with buying parts. Um, I don't want to buy anything. And Whenever I build a bike, I don't want to buy anything. It's not against any other builders or any people that make parts. There's incredible people that make parts. You guys should all buy them. I don't want to buy them. I want to make every piece. So we kind of – we have a highly modified vl frame we got a 51 pan head inside of it we're cutting open the heads we're going dual carbs. we're reinventing some um fuel systems for the bike we're building the front ends you know it's just gonna be a very and i kind of lack the wording for these kinds of things because i'm not really a a history nerd but i mean we're just going for a real 60s 70s classic show bike but i don't want to like keep it too simple i mean we're going to be modifying a lot of engine parts we're going to go with a lot of one-off uh like a lot of one-off pieces um kind of mix some aluminum casting into it machining we're going to build the whole motor the paint's going to be done in santa cruz it's you know i'm, I'm like very particular about the bike doesn't leave the shop and that's not against anybody who has their bike taken to someone else's shop, but it's my name on the born free list. So like, (laughs) so it should be me building it. Right. I mean, it just seemed like that's how it should be. So that's where we're going to, that's what we're banking on. It's just kind of everything in house motors getting machined. It's getting painted. It's getting body work We're setting things out to Chrome, obviously. Um, that's, you know, I'm not a complete nut. Yeah. But, But yeah, I mean, I, I think about it every day.
0: (laughs) Well, that's sick. Well, I mean, you have, uh, you know, on your website you got a bunch of air cleaners that you've casted. Uh, So I imagine you obviously have some experience doing that. I can't see what. Can't wait to see like you know what you end up doing for this bike. Uh, And yeah, tell me about this tire inflator kit. Is it literally just like a little? adapter for one of those co2 cartridges cartridges that fits on a a tube nipple it's it's a
1: tire cracker it's like a one side is a straighter valve one side threads onto a co2 caster and uh i just had this whole this epiphany kind of with my buddy where we all take tubes on our bikes because you never know when you're gonna get a flat yeah and then i'm sitting there going like what's the likelihood we're gonna break down at a gas station
0: yeah, and have an um, air compressor.
1: And have an air compressor, exactly. And then half the gas air compressors don't even work. So, so I just thought, like, you know, and it's not a price gouging thing, you know. And we're going to pay for, like, 30-something bucks. We're going to make a really compact kit. And you can just fill your tire if you have an emergency, you know. Because, I mean, the amount of times I've been stuck with something like that and just gone, like, you know, I, if I could spend 30 bucks now, I would. You know, just get it. But, you know, I just, it it was a kind of thing where it wasn't like some revolutionary idea. I just sort of thought like, uh, why not make a little setup that you can fill your tires with on the go? Yeah. Save, you know, save your ass when you need it.
0: Yeah. I've seen, you know, what is it? The one that hooks up to the spark plug.
1: I think, uh, prism makes one that it's an interesting product. I had no idea how it works, you know?
0: Just like a compressor. But I,
1: I should say, I understand how it works, but I, I'm i kind of like, are you just like blowing a bunch of gas inside your tire? I don't know. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe so. I never thought about that.
1: I, I, don't, I mean, you know, and I don't know. Maybe prison has an answer for us like that. Um, but, but, you know, I just try to think, let's keep this super simple. Let's keep it super cheap. And see what two canisters. You know, people go, I've had people go, well, you can buy a bicycle pump. There's these things that you can charge. So can like, you use this as to... like
0: a fucking? uh Can you inhale it as well?
1: Well, no. <laughs> I've got this question quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, there's are CO two cartridges, and I and I like isn't NOS like a like nitrous nitrogen oxide or something? Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I don't think you're. I don't think it.
0: uh It doesn't. Not the same thing.
1: No, it's not the same thing. Sorry, party folks. Yeah. If you want um,
0: that, you just got to get a can of dust off.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, can, you know, you can figure it out on your own
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now the clutch, the the modern clutch pressure plate. Tell me about this. The super clutch. You
1: know, I, I the, the super clutch. Um, the pitch I've been giving people is essentially, if you've ever ridden an Evo, and wondered why the clutch feels so good (laughs) through a twin cam or anything because they threw out everything that they knew about clutches after like the shovel head and i had a shovel head clutch like a five finger the 10 little classic curl springs i had those on bikes and so some people they work for me it like it never worked it just like it was always causing problems if you have a hand clutch you especially know that they're difficult to use you know what i mean they just And I just, you know, and so it's not like, I'm trying to explain to people, we didn't reinvent the wheel here. We didn't didn't invent this idea for this clutch. We took the modern technology that people that ride every day rely on, and we just made it applicable for your bike. And the difference is huge. I mean, like, you're not only putting way more power to your wheel, you're not losing any you know, you just spin the clutch isn't gonna spin at all. When you come to a light, you pull it in, your clutch is significantly more separated than it was with your OEM parts. So it's shifting's easier, dumping your clutch is easier. You can rely on the clutch being a really smooth entrance every time. Um, you know, and so I I just it was one of these parts that when we were in Mexico, I was breaking my clutch plates off, resurfacing them, and I just was thinking, like, man, there's gotta be something better here there's got to be something in the price point for people that, you know, like, I mean, I, you know, personally, I, I just felt like, you know, the 200, $300 was a price point that people could digest, you know? And that was like, we bought really high quality products. We bought 60, 61 aluminum. It's all machined in house. I mean, we do all of our own work, you know? Um, we wanted to make it like, uh, to withstand pretty much anything you could throw at
0: it. Yeah. So and now it's just like a backing plate that holds the, like the inside of that spring plate, and then um, I guess a pressure plate that fits over the fingers, right? So that you're essentially getting rid of the springs that would run in between the pressure plate and the uh, the spring plate, because I don't know what the fuck it's really called. Mm-hmm.
1: No, I know you're right. I've had a couple beers. So I probably should have explained exactly what it is, you know. But because there's, there's nothing, I mean, it's you're, you're
0: running the same the same clutch plates, the same clutch basket. It's just like essentially three pieces, really, that you're putting on there in exchange for uh, two pieces and all the springs, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, you're, you're – we felt like it was important, for one, to not drive up the price, but to be able to use, like, the OEM clutch pieces that most people already have, yeah. you know. I mean, like the clutch plate technology that you're getting, that you have in your clutch currently is actually fine. Like if you go buy Alto clutch plates or Barnett clutch plates for a shovel head, that tech is like essentially modern. And so pretty much what we still use, it was the spring that was causing every, all the issues, you know? And so you, it's a diaphragm spring is, instead of 10 little classic coil springs. It's this weird round piece of steel, a single piece, um, and I, and I wish I could describe it better, but it's essentially providing consistent spring pressure o- across the entire clutch. Yeah. So, you know, we, over time, we were just, we've I mean, this is our 10th version or whatever, as we were learning about them, we were just finding that these classic coil springs that come like on your OEM clutch are sort of warping, they're pushing your pressure plate unevenly, and so you get these kind of, these, these clutches that are lurching and they're grabbing and when you come to a light, they're, uh, sort of dragging you along, you know? And then the, the most annoying thing for me was you go ride your bike for a couple, couple hours and the Springs get hot and they lose their efficiency. So I, you know, I kind of found myself like given really throttling on a bike when I was going, you know, 75 and feeling like my bike was maybe slipping a little bit after riding for a bunch of hours. Like when we went to Mexico this last year, I'm riding on the highway In Mexico, you want to go fast. I mean, why not? And I'm going, like, I just don't feel like – I feel like my bike is revving faster than my
0: wheel is spinning. Yeah, not all the power is making it to the rear wheel. Exactly.
1: We put a clutch – we put one of our clutches on. The spring pressure is significantly greater, and it doesn't lose any of its, uh, you know, um, spring pressure through heat. And you're revving your motor. You can feel the power translating to your wheel. I mean, that was like one of my biggest issues. Now, do you, know, you run one salt. of
0: those, uh, what do you call that little piece that holds the clutch hub?
1: The retaining? Yeah, the retainer. Clip. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you that's the—that's the the little plastic piece that's sitting at the very back of your clutch hub. That whenever I meet somebody who doesn't have one, I'm like, what are you doing?
0: Oh, I don't um, run
1: one. You should run one. You should run one. I mean, <laughs> but when you run one, then cre- you gotta
0: take the nut off to pull the uh the clutch hub off. That okay, so that is true. Um And that's how I like I you know I go through fucking belts. My shit's all fucking janky. Uh
1: but the nice thing is I would say the nice thing about it is I mean those little retaining plates are really easy to or not I shouldn't call them a plate, but those little retaining clips are really easy to pull on and off. The weird thing, and you get this with old bikes, like they've got this mystic stuff going on sometimes. I know guys with three and five fingers with no retaining clip or anything, and the clutches work. And I know – Yeah. Yeah. It's just set up. There's
0: just so – you know, because it's it's all about preferences, and there's so many different places to adjust your clutch, you know? The throw, like depending – like especially if you build your own uh, clutch – Clutch pedal, you know, like depending on, you know, the geometry on how you build that is like how much throw you're given when you step on it. You know, do you have sure. something to stop it? Like, you know, I know that if I don't set mine up correctly, I'll, you know, release the clutch and I'll give it so much slack that the pulley comes off and, you know, works its way out and pushes those plates back together because sure. the pulley's coming off the fucking, uh, the big, uh, what do you call it? the big bearing, the main. Whatever the fuck the main it is bearing there. Well
1: yeah. I'll say I'll say this. Maybe we send you one of these clutches and we'll see if you like it. If you're you know, and see see if it makes a makes a difference, you know uh everybody that we've sent it to so far, people who received it.
0: Oh I'm sure that people issues. it is the technology yeah. is definitely better. Like I'm not I'm yeah, not saying yeah, it's but not it's,
1: it is, yeah. no 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 but it is crazy, man. There's some people and it wasn't me their three and five finger works and i you know and i tried everything in the world that there was um and it just worked and i you know and at the end of the day that I, I don't have an explanation for it but yeah i know, find a,
0: a lot of things a lot of times people let those grooves get into those uh those fingers and then the plates don't fucking move correctly they don't want to expand out yeah, yeah cause no, especially because sure. like you know when you got that that like motor kind of chugging along, and it, you know, you those noises that you hear when you push in your clutch, those are just banging on yeah. those fucking fingers, you know, and fucking metal. yeah, they're rattling around. In the there. Chinese metal that you get these days is just not as strong as it once was, you know. Like uh, old school fucking clutch, you know, three finger or five finger. That's actually HD made back in the fucking sixties, fifties, you know, seventies is better metal than what comes. You know, in this in the white oh, I, box yeah, that you get today, absolutely, it's insane, yeah, absolutely. really. Uh But no, it's a great product. I I, I can see exactly what it's doing, and it's got to be because you know, even though I've been doing and adjusting mine for years, like every, you know, sometimes it does not fucking adjust right, you know. And and since I got my bike geared so fucking high, like you, it's got to be dialed in right, or it's fucking. You know, it's catching, it's not just slowly engaging. Uh, you know, sure. recently I've been running, well, let's see, how. what have I been doing? It's I, I took out one of the plates, so I'm running a metal in the back. So I'm running a metal plate up against the back of the pulley.
1: Interesting, okay. I feel like I've heard people talk about this um is it are you running an extra plate or one less one less plate uh,
0: like i just pulled that one out yeah and i don't know if it like if it does i and i don't know exactly what it does sometimes it works (laughs) great sometimes it doesn't you know
1: you see this is this is why you're gonna get a super clutch in the mail
0: now me and my buddy kickstart mike will go back and forth all the time like well, you know, one of us will think we've got it figured out and, uh, you know, they're just not as And then, things change yeah, and then something yeah. doesn't may, let it work correctly. What kind of gearing are you running on your, on your big twins?
1: Oh man. I, I mean, I always either, you know, bring up the sprocket size and the, I you know I final drive sprocket to rear wheel. I'm always either bringing up the front sprocket a little bit and decreasing the rear or, you know, uh. One or the other. I mean, the bikes are geared too low. Yeah, for how they are. Well, I mean, the roads back then
0: were a little different than they are now.
1: Sure, and you know, and if you want to go seventy, and I, you know, then that works. But I mean, I just kind of go like, I don't. My bike doesn't like it over five k.
0: Yeah, five
1: k, and we've got perform. We've got uh, I mean, I was oil pumping, good condition. Um, I mean, this motor I have now is ninety inches. So we're like making a little bit more power. It still doesn't matter. Your power is geared the same as a seventy, you know, seventy-four inch or ninety inch.
0: It's still you're making really the same get, amount of revolutions.
1: Exactly, you're making the same amount of revolutions. You're just trying to get your torque curve set inside the range that you want to be riding in, but without shrinking your your rear sprocket a little bit. I mean, you're not getting up to eighty or above, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, what what were you riding in Virginia City?
1: that was a motor that i had built this last year um and it's a 90 inch generator shovel motor the technically the lower end is more of a panhead i built it after um i built that case out of aftermarket cases because i went and bored it out so it's a big bore uh motor i'm not a big believer in stroke i'm more of a piston like, size kind of guy
0: you like the girth
1: exactly i mean you know putting a bunch of stroke in your motor is kind of uh i don't know what you know I'm, I'm not a big fan of that uh so so that that's my 90 inch generator shovel that's in a kind of panhead shaped bike and uh big long fin springer yeah thing hauls man it, it makes a little bit of power for sure
0: what do you do any head
1: work yeah the heads are all you know i they're um something i rant about with people a bunch squish band height is set in those heads i don't do a bunch of high compression they're low compression pistons so you got a nice kind of flat piston top uh coming up into a head that's being reshaped so you're really squishing the fuel when you reach the top of the head um porting though i don't go crazy with the porting because of the end of the day this bike's not really sucking in that much fuel yeah uh but changing the combustion shape a bit and, and getting those in the lower compression pistons, you can get the, you know, for 90 inches, it, we get a good 40 miles a gallon. The bike really sips gas after you get the combustion chamber to burn fuel more efficiently than the OEM Harley. Yeah, has I mean, do.
0: 40 miles a gallon with a 90 inch is pretty fucking good.
1: Yeah. And I'm not really hammering on it in town. I'm probably not getting that. But out on the road, um, we can get, you know, uh, I, I, you know, we get low forties.
0: Yeah, that's good. It's good. All right. But, now, I'm just, now I'm just like cruising well, your fucking, uh, your, your, uh, Instagram page here. And I just seen your buddy strapping, <laughs> strapping a fucking, uh, card battery on the back of his bike.
1: Yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty fun. We were, we were pretty deep in the middle of the desert and, uh, it's one of those classic, like, the bike's running fine, you you park it, you have a beer, you come back out, the battery's dead. Yeah. You're like, what did we do to deserve this? <laughs> Some crazy kind of homeless-looking guy comes out from this boatyard. Oh, you're not even sure where he lives? And we're like, do you have a battery? He's like, I got an RV battery. Like, you don't even have, like, a car battery or something? And he's got this huge battery. And, he's, and we just duct tape it on to the bike and... And then we didn't have any wire, so we went to the side of this building, and there was a piece of conduit sticking out with some old wires in it. And we just kind of ripped it off, and then bent some wires from the house, uh, just stuck them in the battery. And then we're going, "How are we going to get the the wire to connect to the battery terminal?" And the old man's like, "Hose clamps, obviously. Like you've never done this before." <laughs> yeah, like duh. okay, uh, you know, yeah, we yeah we were, uh, we made it. That's
0: sick. <laughs> now these Finn fucking uh primary covers, you do those in house too?
1: Those are a hundred percent in house. Holy um,
0: shit, dude. That's some machine yeah, work. Those, bud. Y- yeah, well and it's all sandcast,
1: so we have a oh, big sandcast that to set up sense. in the shop.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I mean they still I mean post sandcast the machining time is hours, you know. Yeah. Uh they don't come out. As pretty as people think they don't they come do. out
0: with holes drilled and fucking flat surfaces, flat
1: surface, no, Who but know? yeah, I was really proud of. We were, I was, I was super proud of those. We've been, I've been sand casting for, for three, you know, I'm gonna say three or four years now, and that was kind of that took a long time to get up to casting a piece that
0: large. Yeah, that's a pretty good sized piece, dude. Uh, you know, point. go ahead. Oh, uh, I was just.
1: Pouring liquid aluminum's fun, you know. I mean, that was what the business used to be all about.
0: Yeah. What do you, where know, do you melt down? What do you? Where do you get your scrap aluminum? We we used to melt down years and
1: years ago. I would buy scrap and we would melt it down. And at this point, given the quality of the pieces, we just buy 356 aluminum, 356, and in ingots that are designed to be, you know, it, you know, it's melting down old pistons and old cases is cool, but you're just not getting it consistent yeah a consistent pour every time and then you're outsourcing junk and you're going what am i why am i doing this so we we just melt and get to this point
0: wow how much can you melt at one time uh less than people think you know i
1: think absolute maximum pour we could do in the crucible size i have is like maybe like eight pounds of aluminum which is a little bit less like those um those primary covers that you were looking at for early Sportsters or. I would say about six pounds. Each one? Yeah, it's about six pounds of aluminum. Whoa. So, but, you know, people always think the forge is huge, and I'm going like, the forge has got to reach a minimum 1,200 degrees. Yeah. The bigger the space is, it gets really hard to get us up to that temperature. You're introducing oxygen. You're oxidizing the aluminum. You're pouring with, with oxides, mixing in with your casting surface. You're just like there's a lot of things that go into it. So I, and the people see my the forge is a, about the size of a keg, but people always assume it's really big and oh, go I mean, like that's it's, it,
0: it, that is big, uh,
1: kind of. Yeah, uh, but I, I think yeah. I mean, I don't want to say it's small. You know, I've had a couple of furnaces. I shouldn't even call it a, a forge. It's technically a blast furnace, but you know, I don't want to sound like a total
0: nerd. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! It always blows my mind, like. When you see people pouring that shit out, like, how much molten metal keeps coming out and then how fast that metal will fill up a big space. You know, like, it Yeah. It always seems like, man, are you sure you got enough in there? Like, it doesn't look like you poured enough, but...
1: Well, I'll tell you, we have got some pretty bad days after you've set up a mold for an hour or two on something big piece like that. You melt aluminum and you're not quite paying attention and you go to pour it in and it doesn't fill up all the way. Yeah. Um, You're going, yeah, that sucks, so... Now, now we weigh everything that goes into the into the blast furnace, so so you don't have to wonder if that's going to happen.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that takes that's from experience. Well, Making cool, dude. Well, uh, uh, you're gonna be at Virginia City. I don't think I'm gonna be at Born Free. Definitely not Born Free, California. I'll be doing Born Free, Texas, because <laughs> it's in my backyard. Uh, but at this point, This point, I will not. I don't know that I'm gonna go. Actually, I will. I'll probably go to California in April just to enter the Baja. Uh, yeah, I haven't Still racing. I haven't. Uh, yeah, gonna do some. I'm in, I'm gonna be racing to the taco joints and the tequila.
1: No, <laughs> there you go. As long as you're not racing after tequila, it all works out. Yeah. No, you just race to it. <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, really, there's no promise as to what might happen after that. Dude, you built some fucking wicked sissy bars, dude. I just scrolled down here a ways. Way back, yeah, back in the day. And those controls, i seen some controls a second ago that were pretty wicked, too. Uh, I'm yeah, bu- we
1: still have steel work. Yeah, I'm building some no set longer. of
0: controls right now for my, uh, not controls, just a brake control for my flathead. Because uh, I had to put a brake on it for racing it in a couple of weeks.
1: Oh, nice. Like
0: a 45? Yeah, it's a 45, but I got a oh. like a quick change hub in the back. So huh. I got like a brake hanger to hold like a two-piston or a single – what is it? Yeah, it's a two-piston Brembo. Uh, okay. And I'm just – like I have a standoff plate that comes off the three-speed transmission, and I'm just using some old fucking Harley parts. I'm cutting up into pieces to make – uh Something to hold a master cylinder and just a brake pedal you know fuck as simple as I can.
1: I've always I've always wanted to, to, to try one of those out. um It's
0: 45s. Oh dude they seem
1: they seem, they seem pretty fun.
0: They are do mine I didn't it's a fucking fun bike I'm also once now that I'm gonna put a brake on it for Flat out Friday, When I get back from flat out Friday, I'm going to put some fucking lights on it and put a plate Mm. on it. And Mm. I'm going to ride, I'm going to take it on a trip. I guess at the end of May through the Rockies. Wow. It'll be cool. That'll be the first time to like take it out on the open road, but it's a hot 45. Dude, my guys built this guy giant fucking cams, giant fucking valves. It sounds like a fucking shovel head. Uh, but i've how, never how, ran it uh, all day long so it'll be interesting. i mean they, yeah. they were like dude that thing's set up for running a track and stopping sure you know so sure but it's I a flathead dude think? what do you think the top speed would be oh dude i've gotten it over 90 wow
1: yeah, yeah i mean I'm, i mean i see guys racing them but i it's crazy i mean it's but it a takes a, like bore, but i
0: mean it takes a while to spin. get to that speed uh like, what? I don't know. I mean, I've got, like, five or six different size uh, final drive sprockets. I got a couple of transmission sprockets. I got a couple of motor sprockets. Uh, sure, sure. If
1: you're if you're in a track where you can kind of get it opened up or if you're just kind of uh, staying in second or third. But I guess, what is it, the three-speeds? Yeah, three-speed. Yeah.
0: Dude, this, you know, that bike those, is those fun as fuck to ride, too. So... Yeah, I don't know what the what I'll end up gearing it for on the road, but I I tried to find just a you know fucking stock forty five inch uh, rear hub or wheel, but after like really looking at what I got, I have an aftermarket weld on hardtail kit that's on like an old survey car frame, and it was done a long mm. time ago. It's like fucking chicken shit welds on it, but it's got sure. big ass axle plates that are set up you know, specifically for racing, so that wheel can move back and forth as you re gear it without having to change the length of your chain. There's nothing to hold like the the drum hub and anyways, that's it. That's I'm just gonna put the fucking <laughs> the disc on there. But yeah. there's like well, no room for controls. Like you know, there's a single tube that goes down the center so you know there's not a lot of foot we're, placement options or, you know, stuff to build off of.
1: We're kinda of running into that issue with the Born Free Bike, which is a BL frame. So it's got a, it's, you know, just almost the same geometry as a forty five and you're going like, What do I where do I put anything?
0: Yeah, um, yeah. What you know, are you there's gonna no do
1: now? Yeah, I mean we did all sorts of weird stuff, you know, but uh you know, it's it's definitely a weird platform to start using.
0: And yeah, it is
1: so unique. The frames are beautiful, the necks, and all the castings from the from the forties and the fifties are just are are so neat. But yeah, I mean, there's there's almost nothing to work off of.
0: No, there really fucking isn't, dude. Did you change the the, the dimension or the the angle of the seat post?
1: The seat post in relation to the rest of the bike is. Different. I mean, we replaced like the whole front section of the bike and the backbone. You know, those forty-five and the VL frame, it looks good in the 45 with the classic setup. I just can't stand those VL frames with a big twin in them with the big schwinn bicycle rounded backbone. It's just not my style. Yeah. On a 45 with the original tanks, I love it. It's super cool. Um but you know, so we we, you know, bought that frame. Uh, and immediately I thought We gotta do something different So we just cut it up Into a bunch of pieces <laughs> yeah. And changed the, changed a bunch Of the angles um, You know Gave it a straight backbone And it you're, you're
0: gonna squeeze A four speed in there That's what that is Right?
1: Yeah And it's got, a, it's got a four speed And so far That hasn't been too bad Getting the motor To fit in the frame And getting it to line up With the trans get We had to do Some weird stuff With the brake That turned into A huge nightmare We're Running a K-model brake with a big twin backing plate, the big twin backing plate shoes don't fit in the K-model drum, so I had to, like, machine my brake shoes. I'm sitting there in the shop, like, <laughs> cutting up brake <laughs> shoes, being like, "That's good, dude, like, Breed, I don't know if this is. is, like, really? Yeah, well, no, okay, I got a mask on, I'm, like, wetting them <laughs> down, I'm still sitting there, I got brake shoes, like, in my mill, thinking to myself, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you doing this? You know, but I mean, Looking I, just, born I, I free. was like, the only thing. Yeah, I'm like born free. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta be smart enough to get into born free, and then dumb enough to, to do something that nobody else has done. Um, which turns out you gotta be pretty dumb. Yeah, well, <laughs>
0: you're you're they, doing They've it.
1: tried a lot of stuff already.
0: They yeah. have <laughs> definitely tried a lot of stuff already. I mean, yeah, I like the way your backbone turned out. You know that the line that you keep there uh the tank yeah, is fucking more cool. aggressive yeah uh yeah that seat post is just the way you know the i guess the motor is the motor sitting level essentially like i'm looking at it in the frame jig no
1: no no no, no. the motor doesn't sit very level the motor's got this weird like it's all popped up in the front i think it looks really mean and then yeah and I'm... then our our the carbs that come out of it we got dual left side carbs and so we I thought, wouldn't it be cool if the carbs kind of, instead of, I've seen a lot of dual carb panheads and like almost any other bike, a Sportster, or a shovel head, the carb sits level, but so the carb is pointed in a different direction that it just starts dumping fuel everywhere. Yep. The float bowl just starts dumping fuel out of the car. I said, wouldn't it be cool if we angled the carbs up kind of, you know, like like velocity stack, kind of like mean drag car kind of look, and, and then we're just going to build a remote float bowl on the other side of the bike that handles the fuel level regardless of the carbs. Come on. And then just fuel that just gets fed straight into the emulsion tool tubes of the carb. Um so you can kind of have this real tough look with the carbs. Um you know, I, I talked to a couple of people about it and they're going, Yeah, I mean back in the day dudes I don't know if they do that, but they would change the angles of their carbs because gravity's kind of pulling the fuel down through the carb body now. I don't mean, you know, you never I don't never you've got a super E, you th- you put your hand in front of your carb, you've got no air cleaner and you rev that bike. Man, that thing spits out so much fuel. Yeah. Like out of the carb, not into it, you know? So I guess kinda changing the angle of the carb allows the bike to sort of draw fuel a little bit more efficiently. So we got this funny thing going on where the motor's nowhere close to level, but it doesn't really matter because the fuel level's being handled by a separate you know, float bowl.
0: If that makes any sense yeah i mean i hear what yeah. you're saying i'm not you know i can't wait to see it <laughs> you're gonna bring this to virginia well, not, city right uh you know you're gonna ride know. it to um, virginia city
1: uh you were gonna <laughs> i'm gonna i'm probably gonna ride this thing to the moon uh you know that's
0: i mean it looks like right some way. kind of ufo shit under this rear carb that i'm seeing in your story right now
1: it uh it is it is it kind of weirdly became space themed over uh, okay I don't actually, I'm gonna take that back I don't want to call it space themed it makes me sound like an eight year old um <laughs> you know but but you know after like ingesting ingesting a you know a bunch of organic mushrooms and stuff you start coming up with a bunch of really weird ideas yeah and,
0: uh, I mean I like and, how you took the of flanges sudden, off that that rear carb you know in the front yeah of we're kind
1: of gonna try to sort of taper though yeah you kind of make velocity stacks out of the body of the carb i mean there's a lot of weird little things going on that are you know we that that are making the bike more and more space even though i'm trying not to that's awesome well
0: that's sick well i think i'm fixing to get intruded on uh dude i want to thank you for uh man letting mc shop tees feature your shop the t-shirt turned out fucking rad uh You know, I wasn't sure about the gold when you told me about it. And then when I finally started seeing it, I'm like, fuck, this is sick. And I'm trying to, you know, since I put out a shirt every month, you know, a fucking black shirt is pretty much the standard. But it's nice to throw in some new colors and that that worked out really good.
1: Yeah, no, they look great. I mean, you guys, everybody I've been hearing back from um, said you guys did a really great job. Well,
0: you're going to get a handful of them here pretty quick. They'll probably go out. Actually, they'll probably go out to you this week, um, and then you'll have some. Can't wait. Yeah, you'll have something to give out to some boys. Uh, Man, sick. Thank you for uh, taking time to sit down and talk with us, dude. Yeah,
1: hey, man, thanks for giving me a call, and I guess we'll see you on the road this year.
0: Yeah, I hope to see you in the wind for sure. All
1: right, man. Appreciate
0: it. All right, thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast, Matt. Thank you for calling in, taking some time out of your day. I know you got a lot going on. Make sure you check out Sugar Baby Cycles on the gram. His uh website is sugarbabycycles.bigcartel.com, I believe. He's got some rad parts for sale: the super clutch, uh, the tire inflator. Dude, Oh, I forgot to ask him about the C2 stash. Man. Yeah. Anyways, check him out. Matt, thank you. Uh, make sure you go to MC Shop Tee. Sign up now so you don't miss another shop. Uh, next month's shop is it's going to be good. You don't want to fucking miss it. I mean, that's all there is to it. If you want to support the show but you got enough T-shirts, go to... DangerDanceTalkShop.com. There's a Patreon support tab where you can sign up and support. Five bucks a month. Get your name into win. Speaking of win, number 44 just won a $100 gift card to Lowbrow Customs. And that is Kyle Megafee. Megafee. Kyle Megafee of Canandiaga. Canandiaga. New York. Yeah. If I'd have said Canandiaga and asked you what state that was in, would you have said New York? Yeah, you might have actually. Anyways, Kyle, thank you for supporting the show. You are a fucking badass. Uh, Low Brock Customs, you are fucking awesome as well. Everybody who supports the show, Knives Made by Nick, uh, MC Shop Tees motorcycle sherpa dude ww cycles i mean a lot of people support the show um and it's amazing so dude thank you for signing up go to mc shop Tees. fucking matt hey have a wonderful day I, I didn't figure out what the hell i was forgetting to tell you but i'll i'll think of it by next week hopefully peace <laughs>